Come on, let's lift those hearts with our hands. And I love you, Jesus Christ. And I praise your name above all. For thou art God and thou art the Holy One. There is no other and all the earth shall come and worship before thee. Oh, I praise thee, O great one and mighty one. You are the God. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. Thank you for your name. That's above every name. The understanding of that name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we have brought and rescued Brother McKillop once again from the tundra. And we're so glad to bring him to our warm and sunny Florida, even when it's liquid sunshine. And we're glad to have him with us, and we're looking forward to a beautiful service, continuing beautiful service tonight, and also for the rally Friday night. And, uh, everything is in preparing. And I told myself I don't have to worry if everything isn't perfect because the only thing that's going to be perfect in that service is Jesus. And as long as he's there, it'll all be fine, won't it? <laughs> Thank God. All right. So Brother McKillop is coming. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. Praise the Lord, everyone. Anybody else besides me glad to be in church tonight? Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Has God been good to you? He has been good to me. Praise God. What an honor it is to be in Belglade again. One more time, and uh, I give honor to the leadership of this church, and uh, it has just been in recent years that we have made the acquaintance of your pastor, but I've grown to love and respect him, and you need to thank God every day for the man of God that you have in your life. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I thank God for his presence that we feel in the house of God tonight. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that can be touched? I'll never forget in prayer a few months ago I was praying about a particular situation. And I was asking God, God, touch this one and touch that one. And touch this one and touch that one. And I felt that he spoke to me and said, that's fine, I, I, I will touch this one and I will touch that one, but you tell them that they can touch me. So God doesn't just touch, but he puts himself within reach so that we can touch him. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord tonight. So again, enjoyed being able just to spend time with your pastor today and glean from him. Thank God for elders in our lives. Praise God. Have you come with an expectancy tonight? You're going to help me preach for a few moments. Just a few moments. I, if I promise you just a few moments, praise the Lord. Joshua chapter number one. I do want to give honor to the man of God in my life, and uh, thank God for leadership that I have. Pastors need pastors. Praise God.
Joshua 1 and 1 is kind of a familiar passage of Scripture if you've been around church very long. But I want to try to communicate something out of this that I feel God has laid on my heart for this church and this service tonight. So let's go into the Word of the Lord asking God to speak to us in a special way tonight. Joshua chapter 1 will begin reading at verse number 1. And I do have a fairly lengthy reading. But uh, we'll try to get through it as quick as possible. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them. How many believe that we do have some land that we need to possess? Praise God. He said, tell them to go into the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto thee. As I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Notice verse number 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. That's quite a promise. No man shall stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right nor to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I want you to notice the clarification on success. Not all success is good. Not all success is good. But he said, if you want to have good success... You're going to follow all of the law that I gave unto Moses, thy father. And then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. One more verse, Joshua 15 and verse number 63. Joshua 15 and 63. When you have it, say amen. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day. I want to talk to us just for a few moments tonight on this subject. Learning to live 
with what you can't conquer. Learning to live with what you can't conquer. I want the Holy Ghost to help us tonight. I really believe that God has given me something special for this service tonight. I've got a burden that I'd like to deliver. I don't know how long it'll take, but it doesn't matter as long as the Holy Ghost has His way. Anybody else want to get a word from God tonight? Would you engage your spirit, lift your voices right now, and ask God together with me that He would have His way? God, we are nothing without You. We are insufficient without You. We are incomplete without You. But in You, we have all things. In You, we are complete, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb of God. God, we give you the praise. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God bless you, you may be seated. I do want to mention, also failed to mention before I get into the Word of God tonight, but so good to see new faces out and uh, rejoice over the reports of what happened here in March and April, I think it was, with around the tent rally, and uh, I'm just excited. That encouraged my faith. Did that help anybody else's faith? I'm convinced if he can do it once, he can do it again. (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We still serve a God that's in the miracle working business. If you've come to tell me that he can't heal, you've come too late. If you've come to tell me he can't save, you showed up too late. If you've come to tell me that he can't deliver, you're a day late and a dollar short. We still serve the God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So He is able. He is able. He is able. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Tonight, the passage of Scripture that we read is in kind of a unique setting in that it is... It is founded in a transitional period where leadership is being handed off from Moses unto Joshua. Times of transition are always shaky times. Times of transition reveal many times the thoughts, the intents of the innermost core of the men involved in the transition. And Moses had been taken off the scene. The Bible says in the opening verse of Joshua, the first chapter, that Moses, now Moses, the servant of God, was dead. I cannot imagine what Joshua was feeling like, the insecurities of knowing that now my man of God has gone on to get his reward. I don't know about you, but I wonder about anybody that that looks forward to the day when their man of God steps off the scene. But there are some that do. There were some in Elijah's day. They looked at Elisha and said, oh, today is the day. Today is the day that you're going to lose your man of God. And he said, no, no, don't talk to me about that. This this is not something I've been looking forward to. I've been dreading this day. And Joshua, I believe, had that same passion that Elisha had. I want Elijah to stay around as long as I can. There's a security to Elijah keeping his hand on the wheel. And I believe that Joshua felt the same way about Moses. He said, "There there is something... 
There is something special about having that senior man of God. Whether you call him senior pastor, bishop, whatever. There's something special about knowing there's a security there. There's a security there. And it's, it, it, is a, it is a, dare I say, demonic spirit that would try to overthrow that. It is. It's a demonic spirit that would overthrow that. And I believe that Joshua sincerely loved Moses with everything that was within him. He respected Moses with every fiber of his being. And hence, I do not believe that I am reading too much into the text to assume that Joshua was insecure at this moment in his life. Now what am I going to do when I face situations and I can't go talk to Moses about it? Who am I going to counsel with now that Moses is taken off the scene? To whom am I going to go when the perplexities and the difficulties are arising? And I used to run to Moses, but now who do I go to? God, somehow you've got to reassure that I am really the one that's supposed to be leading this. That I truly am the one that you called to take it to this next generation. And so... Here you have God beginning. We read in those next few verses that God begins to communicate to Joshua and give Joshua some of the very same promises that he gave unto Moses. I believe that the apostolic church, if it is going to reach everything that it needs to reach and is able to reach in my generation, has got to become a generation, this generation does, that can reach back to the previous generation and keep it the same way that the previous generation had it. To every taut and tittle, everything has got to be exactly the same way that Moses had it. I know that our generation will face unique situations and new perplexities will be thrown at it. But we don't need new solutions. The same old weapons still work in this day and age that worked in the previous generation's age and the generation before that. And so here you have Joshua. He says, I I want it to be exactly how it was with Moses. And God said, I'm telling you, if you'll do it exactly like Moses done it, let me tell you what I'll do for you. There is something special that happens when God sees a younger generation arising and stepping on the scene that has the heartbeat to do it exactly how Moses did it. And he looked at... Joshua and God told him, he said, Joshua, I want you to know something. Let me give you a promise. I will make you in the eyes of the people to be as Moses was. Wow. Thank you, God. That's that's no small stuff. I know how Moses was respected in the eyes of the people. And you're telling me that, that if I do it exactly how Moses done it, I'll be... In the eyes of the people, as Moses was, that's exactly, that's my promise to you. You will be exactly in the eyes of the people. Okay, I'm starting to feel a little more secure now. Joshua's starting to feel a little better now. That's quite a promise. You may see, that's, that's quite, that's quite a, an assurance. That doesn't mean that he's replacing Moses in the sense of dethroning Moses, but... In Moses' absence, the anointing that God was going to put on Joshua would put him into the same 
position as in the people's eyes as Moses was. Joshua is already beginning to feel a little bit better. He then goes on and says, I will be with you as I was with Moses. Well, that's, that's good. I have given you this land that I gave to Moses. Are you, are you seeing the generational connectivity here? We are fools to try to sever from previous generations. And I know that's a strong word, but I'm, I, I, I'm convinced it is a fool that would try to cut off from previous generations because it's not just doing it how they've done it, but I can get the promises that God gave you if I stay connected to you. But the moment that I sever my connection with you is the moment that not only do I cease to do things, which is not wise, how you used to do them, but I cease to get the promises that God gave you that if I stay in line with how you've done it, I will get the same promise. Joshua, everything I promised Moses, I'll do it for you. All of the land where the Hittites and the Amorites and the Jebusites and all of these are, I'll give it to you. And Moses or Joshua, rather, is starting to feel a little bit better again. His security is starting to, hey, God's talking to me. God's going to lead me through this. I, I, I think I can make it. I know I'm going to miss Josh or Moses, but I, I think I can make it. God's going to lead me through this. And then if, if, if there was nothing else that would work, I believe outside of Moses, outside of Moses, there was only one other man that would have been revered more in the history of the Israelites, and that would have been Abraham. The father of the faithful, the patriarch, and God looked at Joshua and gave him almost a carbon copy of the promise that he gave to Abraham. Did he not do it? Everywhere you set the soles of your feet, I'm going to give that land to you. You know that that rung a bell on the hearts of Joshua when he heard God say, Hey, that's the same thing you told my patriarch Abraham. That lets you know that there was continuity for more than just one generation. But from previous generations, there had been continuity there. They hadn't deviated and they weren't going to deviate under Joshua's watch. Joshua was feeling pretty good at this point. And so here you have God laying out promises. And I'll never forget reading this because I'm, I'm at that point. My dad's is, is getting up in age, and I want some things God told him he could have. I want those. I want to experience. There's some things that God told him that reach beyond his lifespan. But I can get those if I stay in touch with the same God that he walked hand in hand with and that my grandfather walked hand in hand with and that my great-grandfather walked hand in hand with. There are dimensions that I can soar to if I promise God I'll stay connected and walk exactly how that they walked, exactly how that they walked. That is why when Elijah looked at Elisha, he said, if you're with me and you see me when I, when I go, that wasn't just a physical seeing, but when you look at the original meaning there, it meant if you're with me in the sense of in agreement with me, if, if we're riding this chariot together, and if you're with me when I go, then you'll get that double portion that you're seeking. I believe that this generation could be the most 
powerful generation of the apostolic movement. This is not a generation that's getting weaker, but it's a generation that can be stronger and more powerful and doubly anointed than previous generations. But everything is going to hinge on whether we're staying connected. Praise God. Praise God. All of that to get us to the point where I would like to talk to us for a few moments. God bless you. He looked at him and said, everywhere. And if you can get God to give you a promise, you've got it made, brother. You hear me? You have got it made. And he looked at Joshua and said, everywhere you set the sole of your feet, it's yours. Now, don't tell me that, God, if you don't mean that. Don't, don't use cheap words with me, Jesus. If you're really meaning what you're saying, I'm going to put it to the test because I'm fixing to do some walking. You hear me? Everywhere I put the soles of my feet, I'm claiming it in Jesus' name. I'm claiming it in Jesus' name. And Joshua said, I'll, I'll claim that. He said, I'll, t- I'll take it a step further. There's not one man that's going to stand before you. Not one. In your entire ministry. What a promise, brother. I wish he'd have given me that promise. Not one man is going to stand before you in your entire ministry. Woo! Write that down on paper. Sign that. Put it in the safe. Praise God. A fireproof safe. We want to remember these promises that God has given us. And so it is in this setting that I'm reading my daily reading one day. And I got to chapter 15. When I got to chapter 15, I started reading that, that there was some defeat. And so I went back to chapter 1 and said, now just a second. You said. Now I don't know if anybody else does that in your life or not, but I keep track of what God tells me. I want to know. You said. And I started reading down through it again. And then I, I, I started to see another little bit of a pattern. Here you have Joshua leaving all of these promises. All of these promises. He leaves them and he goes on his first conquest to Jericho. And he gets there and God supernaturally allows them, enables them to conquer Jericho. Jericho was not a demonstration of Joshua's prowess and leadership ability. It was a raw demonstration of the power of God to do anything. That's the kind of God that we serve. It was a demonstration of God's ability to move on the behalf of His people. All they did was walk around the walls seven days. That's it. I mean, there was no drawn of weapons. There was no war plans. There was just obedience and submission. Two very important attributes to victory are obedience and submission. Walk around this wall. Why? Because I said. You mean and not to say anything? Yes, you may be seated. I got a personal opinion on why I didn't want them to say anything. Probably because they would have doubted. Murmured and complained the whole way around. He said, I'm not going to let your mouth rob you of this victory. So I'm going to tell you to just zip it up. And every once in a while, we need to just go, hold it. If you're not going to believe with me that God can do 
what he told me he'd do for me. Just shh. Don't talk to me about that. If my God told me he could do it, he can do it. And I get troubled. I, I, this is just this is just my personal belief, but I, I wonder if Jericho was not the prototype for how God would have liked to have done the rest of the conquering and the conquest of the promised land. You say, well, I'm not sure. Well, let me give you the scripture. He told them, when you get there, I will drive the inhabitants of the land out before you with bees. With bees. I'm telling you that it never was the will of God and it never was in the plan of God for one drop of blood to be shed to get the promised land. The prototype of Jericho was intended to be how victory and how the children of God, by obedience and submission, were going to conquer the promised land. By obedience and submission. If you just obey and submit and walk when I tell you to walk and be quiet when I tell you to be quiet and shout when I tell you to shout, then we can have the victory. I don't understand why we got to do it. You don't have to understand, but you do have to obey if you do want to get the promise. Walls. Walls fell flat. Walls fell flat. Not just, you know, and I always had a mental image in my mind of rubble, just heaps of rubble, you know. I was reading it the other day. I don't think there was heaps of rubble. It said they fell in their place. I can't help but wonder if it was, you know, there's always someone in the natural trying to explain away the supernatural. There's always someone saying, well, it could have been this, you know. And so there's those that, well, after seven days of consistent marching, the frequencies, you know, and it began to pound, and yeah, baloney, Jesus done it. The God we serve reached down and just went squish and shoved them walls down into the ground. Don't you ever doubt that God can touch you in the middle of your situation. You keep obeying and being submissive to the leadership in your life, and God can turn anything around. Hallelujah. Let's worship Him together right now. Praise God. Praise God. Glory to the Lamb of God. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. And so here you have Joshua who, who, got the promise, and then seen the promise in action. He saw it working. And now, remember, I had already been up to 15th chapter. I got some questions here. How come, when you get to the 15th chapter, it says that Judah went up to conquer Jebus, which became Jerusalem. And they went to conquer that city which was a small city and when they came against it the bible says we read it in our text tonight that they could not conquer that city and i don't know about you but i said i want to know where the mistake is in the promise 
Or where is the shortcoming? Where is... Defeat was never part of the plan when it came to conquering the promised land. Now, I'm not here to preach that you don't have downtimes. I'm not here to preach that you don't have trials. But in this particular instance, God never included defeat in conquering the promised land. But yet, the tribe of Judah, when they went to conquer the Jebusites, could not conquer them. And so I began to ask God, why is this? And another instance came to my mind immediately on the heels of Ai, or of Jericho. They sent men to Ai, and they met defeat at Ai. But there was a reason. Anybody know what that reason was? Rebellion. Disobedience. He took a bunch of silver and stuff back to the house and some garments and hid them in the hid them in the tent, said, well, I think this will be all right. And there's nothing that will bring victory to a screeching halt any quicker than disobedience or sin in the camp. I don't care how successful it looks. It's not good success. Good success is a success that operates in the confines of obedience and submission to the leadership in your life. And so here they came to Ai. And as I began to look at Ai, the only problem that I had when I compared it with the Jebusites was this, that after the Je- Judah went to conquer Jebus, it said they couldn't conquer it. And they chose rather to strike an agreement with the Jebusites and say, let's just live together. If I can't conquer you, let's just co-inhabit. And I'm here just for the next three or four minutes under the help of the Holy Ghost to try to combat that attitude. There is an attitude that gets a hold of Christians and churches and leadership if we're not careful. That says, well, if we can't conquer it, and we've bumped up against it, and we've tried to get the victory, and we've bumped up against it and tried to get the victory, that we'll just live with it. I'm here to tell you that the devil doesn't want to kill this church. He just wants to get it to a place where it co-inhabits with the things that God promised that they could conquer. And you don't ever, hear me, you don't ever want to get to the place where you just are satisfied to live with the enemy next door. Not if God gave you the promise that wherever you set your feet, you could conquer it. There needs to be an unsatisfiable passion and desire that rises up on the inside of you that says, I may have lost it this time, but I'm going back to find out why I didn't win this battle. That's exactly what happened in Ai. They went back and they told Joshua, Joshua, why did we lose this? We just won in Jericho. Ai is just a small thing. How come we lost it in Ai? He said, I'm telling you, I'm going to find out. I don't know why, but I'm going to find out why we're not winning. We're losing battles that we should be winning. We got the promise from God that wherever we set the sole of our feet, that we would have victory. And I'm not satisfied until wherever we set the sole of our feet, we get victory. Joshua got on his knees, fell before God and said, God, you're going to have to reveal this to me. Something's wrong because we were supposed to be victorious over Ai. Can you reveal it to me? And God helped him zero in. 
on the disobedience. You may be seated. And I know the enemy, the purpose and the thrust of the enemy is not to take you out. He just wants to hinder your effectiveness. He just, he just like to be neighbors with you. It's no big deal. I just like to. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll even put a fence up in the backyard. I'm okay with that. But, you know, I, let's, let's just co-inhabit. Let's just, and the Jebusites fell prey to that mentality. Somewhere they lost their passion for conquering the enemy and were content to move in next door to the enemy and say, well, if I can't conquer it, then at least I'll just live here and share it with you. There's no room to share anything with the enemy. You hear me? The apostolic movement is not made to share nothing with the enemy. If God's given you something and he's told you that you can possess it, don't stop until you possess it all by yourself. Don't share it with the enemy. Don't share it with the Jebusites. Don't share it with carnality. Don't share it with rebellious attitudes. Don't share it. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. Jebus was only the beginning. And when you begin looking at the conquest for the promised land, and I know that this is just simple, but I, I just felt it so strong tonight. It is the thrust of the enemy again and again and again and again. I just want to live. Just, just, just let me live in your area. Just, just be content with me in the neighborhood. Think what happened after AI. Here comes some, some men, some old raggedy clothes, some old moldy bread. They said, well, we're coming from a long ways off. When the kings, the Amorites, heard of the great things that God was doing. And there's some great things God's doing in the midst of this church right here. I believe it. And when it gets out there, the kings of the Amorites get nervous when they start hearing about what God's doing in Belglade and Fort Myers and, and West Palm and wherever we're going to be going and wherever the vision that God leads this great man of God to lead you into, wherever you set the sole of your feet. That always causes a ramification in the spirit world. And, and the kings and of the Amorites get nervous when they start realizing what God's doing in your midst. But you've got to be careful because at that point, they'll get, they'll, get, they'll, get, they'll get wise. And they'll know, we can't win against this God that they serve. So I tell you what we need to do. If we can just strike a contract, and you read it for yourself, did they not come with that old moldy bread and those garments from, say, we're from a long ways off? And I tell you what, we, we'd just be happy to live if you'd let us dwell right here next door to you. We'd even be content to be your servant. I don't want anybody... Sir, it's not the will of God for anybody to serve the apostolic church that does not have the same desire and submission that we have in the apostolic church. And when they come, they've got to be coming for the right reason. That's why you need to trust the men of God in your life. And the danger, the danger, the danger, and the mistake that was made was this, that they never consulted the Lord when they saw those men. And they went ahead and signed an agreement that we're not going to kill you. We're going to let you live. 
And then it was after the agreement was signed that they realized they're just our next-door neighbors. They were probably where we were headed next to conquer, and now we have signed an agreement with them. That's the same thing that happened with Sarah when she looked out and saw Ishmael making fun of Isaac. She saw him and she said, something's got to give here. We can't have the son of promise being submitted to the scoffing of the son that is proof of our rebellion. We've got to get him out of the house. Something's got to give. We can't have these two coexisting in the same house. And I, 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 I don't want to step too far, but I know. Let me tell you what I tell our folks at home. Someone leaving and going away is not always a bad thing. Don't ever let that get you to the place where that shakes your faith just because someone walks away. Every once in a while there are some, if they're not buying into the vision and they're not being submissive and obedient, it is better that they split away than to hinder the victory that God has promised for the promises of this church. I don't know everything. He's not told me everything that God's promised. But I'm here to tell you, God's given you some promises. You've got a building that's almost completed over here. And you can think, well, will we ever get it accomplished? And, and you can fall prey to the mentality that, well, we'll just live with it the way it is. you know. And, and, and we'll pray. And if God wants to help us finish it, he'll help us finish. And if he doesn't, we just won't do it. No, a thousand times no. If he gave you the promise, fight, 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 fight. Don't be content to to just coexist and live alongside of some things that God told you you could promise, that he promised you could have. Praise God, praise God, praise God. It is the enemy's desire for you to strike a contract with him. There are some things that we need to conquer. There's some things in this city that need to be conquered. There's things in this church that need to be conquered. There's things in my life that need to be conquered. And if I'm not careful, I will get too content with the fact that I'm not conquering them. And I'll quit working on trying to fine-tune them. And the byproduct of that is it affects my worship. It was the tribe of Judah who was supposed to be the praisers and the worshipers that were supposed to lead that attack against Jebus and get the victory. Our praise and worship is not shallow. Our praise and worship is not just Pentecostal calisthenics. It's not motions that we go through. It's our weapon. It's our warfare. It's what we do battle with. And when it stops producing what God said that we could have victory over, we need to ask Him what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. We're not happy, we're not happy, we're not happy. Some of the things that you are going through right now and the victories that you're experiencing are because of a man of God in your life that was not content to sit beside and idly watch while, well, if it's the will of God, it'll work. No, he had a fight in him. I said, I know what God told me, and I know the promises that he gave me. And he said, wherever I set the sole of my feet, And if he said that that piece of ground was mine, you're not getting it. I'm not drawing a contract with you. I'm not entering into an engagement with you. It's mine because God said that it was mine. 
Thank God for leadership that won't back down. Thank God for Joshua's that won't back down when they see adversity and they see someone possessing the land that they're supposed to be inheriting. Praise God, praise God. Just a couple more moments. But we need to conquer alcoholism in this city. Oh yeah, how many know what it's like to be liberated from alcoholism. I'm sure there's some here that God delivered from the stranglehold of alcoholism. Oh, hallelujah. We need to conquer that in this city. It needs to be conquered in every city in this area. There needs to be drug addiction. needs to be broken, busted in this city. We don't need to be content to just come and go from the house of the holy without saying, God, help us conquer this. I'm not happy until we get victory over this. I want to tell you something that hits even, God bless you, you may be seated a little closer to home maybe than the drug addict standing on the corner or the alcoholic, but I believe the apostolic movement, and maybe it's not here, but I'm seeing it many places that I go, that I'm preaching to people that I can't connect with. They're sitting on a pew because they may not be a drug addict in the strictest sense of the word, but they're on so many prescribed drugs. Sitting on apostolic pews, those moves, they can't connect with it. They are so numb by what they've been infiltrated with and what they've been injecting in themselves. And they sit there and we can't reach them. I'm here to tell you that we serve a God that want you to live that way in a induced state. I don't care if I write it on a piece of a paper. And I'm not against medication in general, please. That's, you take what you got to take. But I'm talking about abusing it to the place where you co-inhabit with things that you should be victorious over. God can still heal. God can still deliver. God can still set you free. Oh, that's it. Worship Him right now. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Ooh, hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, give us victory in the house tonight, Jesus. Give us victory in the house tonight, Jesus. Give us victory in the house tonight. Woo! You know what it is that you've been struggling with. You know what it is right now as we've been preaching that the Holy Ghost has been bringing back to your remembrance that you shouldn't be content to live with that struggle anymore. You need to quit struggling with pornography and immorality and sensual reading material and wrong kinds of music and all of this stuff. We don't need to wrestle with that. We don't need to be content to live with that in our life. You're supposed to be a child of God and greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world there's liberty from it there's freedom from it there's freedom from it oh I feel the Holy Ghost right now there's there's deliverance from it there's we need to conquer the spirit of immorality and fornication and adultery and every other sensual desire of the lust of the flesh I said there's victory there's victory there's victory over that Well, I think I can handle it, preacher. Quit drawing a contract up with it. You can't control that. It'll get you. Don't build a fence and try to split the promises of God with that immoral spirit. 
Praise God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. Woo. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. You can remain standing. The entire land is laying dormant before us. Moses, before he died, said, Joshua, this is what I want you to do. When? Not if. When you get there, I want you to give this much land to him and this much land to him and this much. He subdivided out the land before they even owned it. He said, this is going to be yours. This piece you give this lady. You give, you give this portion. You, give, you get this portion. What do you mean? We haven't even been there to conquer it yet. He said, I don't care. I know that my God told me that we were going to get that land. And I may be dying before I even see it, but when you get there, I want my grandchildren to know, and I want my sons and daughters to know that Daddy knew the day was coming, that you would walk into the promise that God had for you. Moses wanted them to know, although I'm not seeing it in my day and age, don't you attribute that to not believing that God's going to come through on the promises that he gave. Finally, 396 years later, lived with the Jebusites for 396 years. It wasn't a big spot of land. Small piece of land, 1,500 people. That's all that lived in Jebusites. That's all there was for Jebusites. And the Jebusites, now I want you to hear me now, they, they took and they put all these lame people up around the edge and perimeters because they developed such an attitude that said, children of Israel, they can't conquer us. Even the halt, blind, and lame can defend this. They'll never be able. And that oppressive spirit got on the children of Israel. And it got on the children of Judah. And they said, we'll never be able to do it. And for 396 years, they lived, co-inhabited with a group of the enemy that they should have had victory over. There was a, but God wasn't done. But God wasn't done. Oh, hallelujah. But God wasn't done. He had a man named David. And the very first thing that David said when he became king was, you know what? I know he didn't go back to Joshua 1 and 1 because he didn't have Joshua 1 and 1. But somewhere he went back to the promises of God. And he dusted off that old promise and said, Now, God, you and I have spent a lot of time out on the hillside. Uh, I've, I've got quite a relationship with you. And I know when you say something, you mean business. I tell you what I'm going to do. The first conquest of my kingship is going to be to go get Jebusite. I'm going to conquer Jebus. And he looked at some of the men standing around and said, if you want to be the captain of my host, the first man 
Up, now, you've you got to understand, 396 years, they'd lived under the cloud of existing with something that they should have conquered. I hope we can break that spirit in here tonight. You do not have to live for 396 years with something that God said you can conquer. There are some things that could be conquered in this house. Well, it's only a Wednesday night's Bible study. I don't care what it is. You can take the promise that God has given you and dust it off and go to the bank with it and say, God, I'm cashing in on the promise that you said that I could have. And the Bible says that they 